Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, we're going to have some fun with this one. I'm going to have fun, you probably won't, but anyway. Uh, spiritual belly flops. Spiritual belly flops, 1 Kings 19.3. And most of you know what a belly flop is. I remember when we were kids and swimming, and we would try this special dive, you know, and it didn't go well, and flop, right on the belly. Remember, remember the feeling of that? Or, or it was one of the flips. We would try to do the, the flips. And we'd do a regular flip, but then we had to do a one and a half, right? And somehow on that one and a half, we always end up flat. You know, I just remember my eyes were still open. Whack, you know, my face and you know, body smack. And after, remember how you felt after the belly flop? What did you do? You get out and you're like just holding it because it's all red and it's stinging and it just would keep on stinging. You know what I'm talking about? If you've never had a belly flop, you've missed out on a life. But anyway, uh, it was ouch, you know, a lot of ouch. But we're going to see Elijah do a belly flop today, spiritually, spiritually. And I think we will all be able to relate to his belly flop, spiritual belly flop. I think we're all going to relate very well to this. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing each of us here. We know many are away. We pray for all those who are away. We know they're going to end up hearing this at some point. Just pray that you bless everybody's time away and recharging. And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would now speak through your word to each one of us. We pray that for you through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's pick it up in 1 Kings 19, and we'll read the first four verses here. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than one of my ancestors. Okay, so this is the very, I call this the very first Ripley's Believe It or Not. Remember Ripley's Believe It or Not? The, those who are old enough to remember, they would have all these amazing, unbelievable stories, right? And, and this is a Ripley's Believe It or Not. The same guy who stood up to 450 prophets of Baal now runs away from one woman. It's the same guy who ran before Ahab's chariot 18 miles, you know, almost made the marathon, ran supernaturally, outraced these horses. The same guy who did that now runs for his life. The same guy who prayed down fire and rain from heaven now is so down that he prays that God would take his life. He prays to die. This is Ripley's believe it or not, right? Now, Elijah did not have to run away. He didn't have to run away. He was completely safe in God's hands. Do we need proof? The proof is in the text here. Jezebel sends a messenger to threaten him. She doesn't send an assassin if she wanted to really kill him she wouldn't have sent a warning or a threat she's she she didn't send, she didn't she would have sent an assassin but she can't she can't touch elijah without god's permission she can't do it job 1 9 and 10 remember what job said in job 1 9 and 10 what what satan said 
in Job 1, 9, and 10. He's talking to God about Job. He says, Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. He says, yeah, Job's a great guy. Who wouldn't be? You protected the guy. I can't touch him. It's not just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Luke, Jesus is talking to Peter. In Luke 22, verse 31, he says, Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Has asked to sift you wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He let him sift Peter, but he had to ask Jesus permission. Nothing can hit us without first going through our Heavenly Father. Nothing. Satan can't attack us. No man can kill us. No disease can touch us. Nothing can touch us. With, unless it's in God's purpose. God's purpose. And sometimes we don't like to, what's going on, but it's his purpose. It's his refining. It's his it's spiritual growth time. And there was no point in Elijah running away anyways, was there? He, he, knowing that nothing can touch us, but still, there still was no point in running away anyway. Because if it's not God's time, Jezebel can't kill him. And if it is God's time to go home, it doesn't matter where he goes. doesn't matter where we run. God's going to find us. If he wants to bring us to heaven, it's time he's going to bring us. There's nowhere we can run. And Jezebel knew this. That's why she was in a rage. That's why she's threatening him. And why she's in a rage. And that's why, not only that, notice what she does. She gives away her strategy, her plans for Elijah. She spills her guts what she's going to do her goal is to assassinate elijah she spills it because she, she's in such a rage it reminds me of what happened when we first started this church some of you were here a few of you were here back then and when we started there was another mad woman very very angry woman who was trying to stop our church from being established in new hope she tried really hard she tried to to keep us out of new hope that didn't work and then she tried to turn me away from god's word that didn't work uh and and so she finally i'll never forget she finally freaks out at me one day freaks out and she told said well since i can't get you out and i can't change your mind about you know you know change your mind about the bible then this is what we're gonna do and she spilled her guts she said we're gonna start a new pride movement here in new hope we already got some lawyers coming from philadelphia to help us come up with a plan and a whole big movement here in new hope that's right the pride week here is all our fault right that's when they started it it's because this church was coming and spreading hate, you know, which wasn't true. We were bringing the love of Jesus Christ. But she was so afraid of Jesus that they started this, this whole movement, that this whole week, the, all the stuff you see. And she said, then we're going to really push tolerance straight down your throats. You know? So tolerant, right? Uh, you know, it, it really, it's intolerance, right? And, and, and then we're going to legalize marriage and, 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 uh, for homosexual marriage in, in, New, in uh, Pennsylvania, just like it is in New Jersey. We're going to legalize it, and then we're going to make it illegal for you to say anything against our life. We're going to make it a hate crime, a hate crime. And about 10 years later, they passed this hate thing, right? right? Uh, a new hope. And, and I remember, she's, she's saying this, I'm writing it all down. <laughs> I'm writing it all down, right? And I shot out an email to all my pastor friends, hundreds of them. And I said, this is what's coming down the pike, just so you know. I just got the whole plan. 
And I remember sending it out what her plan was. And I remember I, I didn't get a lot of response. And the responses I did get were like poo-pooing me. Oh, pfft, Chuck. You, you were crazy to go to New Hope in the first place, but now you're really crazy. You know, they, they were like, this isn't going to happen in the USA. And here we are 20 years later, and the plan is right on target, and it's just the beginning. That's what it reminds me of. That's what Jezebel, when she's just freaking out doing this whole thing. But we aren't going to run. Although many times I've been tempted to run and quit. You know? <laughs> I promise to come back from vacation if God allows me to. But, but I totally get why Elijah ran, right? We totally get it. We're not judging this guy. We totally get it. But by God's grace, we're still here. By God's grace, we, we hope to stay here until God's purpose for our church, God's purpose for my life, God's purpose for our church is fulfilled. We're going to stay by God's grace. But we're not putting ourselves above Elijah. But we get why he ran. Let's focus on that. That's what I really want to focus on. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. But Elijah was afraid. That's what we're going to focus on, that. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah's spiritual belly flop. Why did, why did Elijah flop? I'm going to ask that question. The second thing I'm going to ask is, why did God let him flop? Why did Elijah flop and why did God let him flop? Well, why did, why did he flop, first of all? Why did he fall flat on his face after so much grace and so much faith that we've seen in his whole life so far? Why did God let him flop now? Now, now we saw, why did he flop now? Now, we saw last week how he stopped walking by faith and started walking by sight. All right, that was bad. And if you weren't here, make sure you listen to that one because this is really part two to that. But we have another clue. So he stops walking by faith, but we have another clue to another factor here. And I want to just go down a couple of verses to verse nine, first Kings 19, nine, where it says, then he went into a cave and spent the night there. Now we're going to get to that in a few weeks, but we're going to have fun with that one. But this is what it says. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left. You getting a hint? And now they're trying to kill me too. You getting an idea here? I, I, me. He was no longer walking by faith. He's walking by sight. And what he's looking at with that sight is, I, I, me. He is completely self-focused at this point. Not on God anymore. His eyes walking by faith, not, walking by sight, not by faith. And what he's looking at is self, right? And this is really pride and self-sufficiency. Pride and self-sufficiency that had snuck in, which God can see. Uh, it reminds me of jo- my son Josh was telling me about his trip to, he wouldn't tell me the story, so I'm going to tell it. He was telling me about his trip to Virginia the last couple weeks, and uh, they were tubing. And they were on the boat, and these college guys, crazy, crazy, they're just pulling each other around the tube, trying to throw each other off the tube, doing these crazy, crazy things. He almost crashed the boat. We won't go into that one. But, but they're crazy, crazy. And he said, they couldn't get me off, couldn't get me off, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on the inner tube. You know, you ever been skidding around, you know, that centrifugal force. But then when you got a little bored or got bored with it, he said, all of a sudden we just like stand up on the tube. Let go and just stand up on the tube. And then they would boom. And he said, we go skidding, flying off, skidding all over the place. And that's really what happened to Elijah. He stopped hanging on to God. 
And there's always attacks, right? We're always under something, under pressure. He stopped hanging on, said, I can do this myself, you know? I'm going to stand up on this tube. Boom, right off, right on his face, belly flop. That's, that's what happened to him, which leads us to answer, to answer the question, why did God allow Elijah to flop? Why did he allow him to flop? Because he was teaching them that it's not all about I, I, me. It's all about God. He flopped because it was all about I, I, me. But God let him flop. Same thing leads to that question. He let him flop to show him it's not all about him. It's about God. It's all about God. God knew what was in his heart. So he humbles Elijah to remind him who sent the fire and the rain. It wasn't you, Elijah. It wasn't him. God let him... Let him flop to show him and us that it's all God. Why does he let, you know, how would you like this to be recorded about your life, your worst flop ever in the Bible for billions of people to read? But God did that for us to show us, not just Elijah, teach him a lesson, but to show us what happens when we don't completely depend on God. It's all about God. Anything and everything good that comes through us is God's grace everything any anything bad is us our flesh anything good is completely god's grace it's all him that's why it's called the fruit of the spirit right fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control it's fruit growing up on the farm we had fruit trees and we didn't make the fruit grow we had nothing to do with it, really. I mean, we would, you know, prune the trees and throw some fertilizer and all that. But we didn't make the fruit grow. The fruit grew on its own. We just picked the fruit and ate it. And especially this time of year, I used to love it. Cherry season, I would climb up into the cherry tree around my birthday. Uh, and I, I'd climb up, I'll never forget, every time I climbed to the top of a cherry tree and I would just eat till I was sick. Sick. I love cherries. Love them. Eat till I was sick. And it took a lot of cherries for me to get sick, all right? So, but that, but it was, all I did was enjoy it. I didn't make those cherries grow. The tree grew it. We don't make, we don't create peace, love, joy, patience. We don't do any of that. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does it all. We just enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. That's all we do. We pick it and eat it. We enjoy it. So, the second, the second that God takes his hand of grace away, the very moment we flop spiritually it's all him we completely need his grace and the moment we we stop focusing on that grace or he takes it away we flop spiritually and he has to do this every once in a while (laughs) to remind us not to become proud and self-focused he has to do a lot doesn't he It has to happen on a regular basis because we consistently become proud and self-sufficient. And we think we can do it without God. We stand up on that inner tube. We start clinging and we stand up and say, I can do this. I don't need that to hang on to that inner tube. We're like like spiritual puffer fish, I call it. Now, I, I brought my puffer fish. Now, as you know, a puffer fish is swimming along and he just looks like a normal little fish, right? And all of a sudden, they get scared. And what happens when they get scared? They, I look for every excuse to bring it. It puffs up. It puffs up. All right? Goes from a little fit, normal looking fish. Actually, this is a little one. This is a big one. But it's a skinny fish. They get scared and poof, they become some scary looking creature, right? 
Now, we don't do that when we're scared. We do it when we get praise or too much success in our life. That's when we get it. Pride is what puffs us up. When we have too much success or too much praise, we turn into something scary like that puffer fish, right? That's what we do emotionally and mentally and, and, and spiritually even. And God has to pop us. He has to pop us. So God does this to show, to, to, to keep us dependent, keep us focused on him, and he does this to show us and others what we are like apart from God's grace. He allows us to belly flop because he wants us to see what we're like without God's grace. And, and every once in a while we fall flat and we say, what went wrong? I stopped depending on God. I got a big head, right? And then we fall flat and we go right back to God, our knees and back to God's mercy and grace. And we start moving forward again. We grab a hold of that inner tube again. We start you know, following the boat again, right? And, and that's what happens. But God lets this happen to us and to others to show us what we're like apart from God's grace. Listen, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that Elijah fell. Be surprised that he ever ran, you know, that he ever stood up, you know. That's what should surprise us. Don't be surprised when you see somebody have a spiritual belly flop. Even someone that you really look up to spiritually, you think they're great, you know, spiritually, blah, blah, blah. You know, don't be shocked. Even sometimes, even a pastor could flop sometimes. Now, you've never seen it here, but other churches, it, it happens. It happens. Even some pastors. Now, don't be shocked because everyone flops. Whether it's a pastor, whether it's your parents, whether it's a, a spiritual leader, the, the Bible is full of examples and warnings for us. That, and usually we see the flop happen where the person is strongest spiritually. Their best area is where God lets them flop to, to, to warn us and to show us and to teach us this. It's the area of strength that they fall. Elijah was known for his courage. And now he's a coward, a cowardly lion, right? Uh, Abraham was known for his Faith, faith, this is not, these aren't hard, these aren't trick questions. Faith, all right? And then, what does he do? He's going around lying to get out of trouble, you know? Get out of tight spots, he's telling lies. It's not my wife, it's my sister, right? Yeah, uh, David has, is known as the man after God's own heart. Well, we all know where that went. Adultery and murder, right? Uh, unbelievable. Only it's not, because we know what we're like. Uh, Moses was meek and humble, the most meek man on the earth, until someone made him mad, then he was like killed someone, and then he hit the rock, you know, and then he smashed the Ten Commandments, you know. You know where I'm going with this? John, the apostle of love, says, Jesus, why does it call on fire and fry the Samaritans? What? <laughs> what? Right? And, and, and even even. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, who unified the Gentiles and the, and the Jews into the body of Christ. And, and he's preached about the unity and wrote about the unity. And then he turns around and splits with Barnabas over something stupid. Right? Talk about the first church split. Fallen heroes. Fallen heroes all over the scripture, all over in front of our, our eyes. Show us. They show us that our faith and power are all from God. It's all him. It's not Elijah. It's not pastor. It's not anybody. 
It's all God. It's completely God. That's why God lets pastors flop. Sometimes we flop really badly. We flop, you know, little flops and big flops. Don't idolize anybody, a pastor. Don't idolize me. Don't put me on a pedestal. You will only be disappointed. Don't definitely love us and encourage us. Uh, and yes, and get us birthday presents. My birthday was last week. Uh, yeah, do that. And definitely let us know when a sermon encourages you. That's helpful. You know, to say, hey, that, that really helped me. That encouraged me. What you said really helped me deal with this or persevere or, or whatever. That, that's helpful. But always remember that what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Do you know what clay is? Dirt. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, I'm just dirt. And so are you. We're just dirt, right? That's all we are. Uh, but this power in us is amazing. It's God's power. And, and we are nothing apart. We're just dirt apart from that power, right? That's all we are. No one, and, and I say this because I want you to be so disappointed or focus wrong. Also, no one, we all need this knocking down. We all need this belly flopping. No one can handle continued success. No human being can handle continued success or excessive praise. Nobody can. Only God can handle worship. Do you realize that? Worship was created by God for him alone. No one can handle it. It was meant to be this powerful connection that we have with God. He gave us this gift of worship that we could connect with the divine, that we could connect with God, the, uh, the creator of the universe. You know, we could have this amazing spiritual connection through worship. That's why if you've ever, you know, really, when you really enter into worship, you just have this crazy connection. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been on a retreat where it just, you worship for a day and it's just amazing and you come home on this high. It's because it's the ultimate high that God has given us. Better than any drug. It's the ultimate high is worship. And God has given us to connect with, with him. It's a gift that he's given us. But no human can handle it. No human being can survive it. Look at the celebrities out there. Look at the celebrities. Their worship. Look at their lives. They're a mess. They're all on drugs and messed up and screwed up and just unbelievable, the celebrities. They can't handle the worship. Look at the athletes. They start out pretty good at their rookie year and then they have a whatever. And then they start getting all this worship. Next thing you know, these athletes turn into monsters, right? Look at the rich and the famous. What happens to them? Read the history books. I, I read a lot of history, as you know. But you read these, the, the lives of all these famous people throughout history. And they, were, they got all this praise and power and, and, and money. And, and, and they get all that. And they end up destroyed by it. Very few People in history that, that were famous end up with a, a happy ending. It destroys them. We can't handle it. Excessive praise destroys us. Be careful with your kids. Be careful with your kids in this day of positive parenting. And I'm all for positive parenting. But, but it, we've gone a little bit overboard. It, be careful with your kids because we will, you can create a monster. A monster. Yes, encourage them. 
Yes, affirm them, but balance that or you will monsterize them. I've come up with a new word. All right, you'll monsterize them. Say, yes, that's a great effort. Way to do your best, but not, oh, you're so great. You're so great. You're so great. You're so great. That is not going to help them. It's not going to help them. It's going to do just the opposite. And I see so many parents doing that, just telling their kids how great, 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 great they are. Not they did their best, which was great, or you know, something positive, but just so great. And if, and if something doesn't go their way, what do they do? They, they blame the teacher, or they blame the coach, or they blame the referee for what didn't go well. I see it all the time. They blame the referee. It's always the ref's fault. Not my kid's fault. It's the ref's fault, right? Uh, and they, they rescue their children. Whenever they're in a bad spot or, or they don't like where they're at, they rescue them. Or they enable them. They're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And instead of holding them accountable, they enable them. And the result is, is they end up with a monster. We, we've got a whole society of helicopter parents. You know what I'm talking about? Hovering around, looking to rescue and enable. Or even worse, the, the, now it's the lawnmower parent. Mow right through the problems for them, right? The lawnmower parent. But, but we've we got to be so careful that we don't create monsters. We are all prone. Every one of us is prone to morph into a monster. Every one of us. That's why God lets us struggle. That's why God lets us flop. That's why he does it. Look at Paul. The Apostle Paul, he was so blessed, super blessed spiritually, super blessed. He was so blessed that God had to give him a 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Listen to what he gave him. To keep me from being conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. God gave him a thorn in the flesh. Nobody knows what it is, but God gave him a serious struggle in his life because God knows what it takes to break us. And for some of us, it takes a lot to break us. Some of us, it takes a lot of flops to keep us following Jesus and, and staying humble and doing what he wants us to do. It reminds me of what happened in uh, uh, one of my farm episodes. I remember one day one of our pigs got out of its pen. It was a, not even a full-grown pig. It was about half-grown. And, and my mom and dad said, hey, go catch this pig. That was my job. Go catch the pig, right? And so I went to catch it. It's no big deal because usually I could catch them pretty quickly. I was pretty good at it. They weren't greased or anything. And so I was going to go catch this pig. And, but he, this one was fast, and it was determined. It was a stubborn little piglet. And, and I, I chased this thing all over the place, uh, over, all over the farm. I'm like chasing it through barns and all bushes, and I could not catch this pig. I'll never forget it. And finally, I'm closing in on it, and it was far from the barns. It was out at the creek. There was a creek, which was one uh, mucky part of the creek. I'll never forget it. And it went running, and I thought, I got it now. And he took a run, and he jumped into the creek, right into the mud. It was a muddy spot, Flap, right, you know, belly flop, right in the mud, and that pig was stuck. He was stuck. And I went in right after him. I didn't belly flop, I jumped in feet first, right? Jumped in feet first, and I'll never forget, I jumped in and climbed out, got him, I got on his back, and I said, I got you, pig. I got you, pig. And I was so mad. I mean, I was mad, 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 mad. And I never forget, I'm gonna teach this pig a lesson. I grabbed him by the back legs, and I Picked him up like a wheelbarrow. And I said, now walk. 
And pigs aren't made to walk on their front legs. They're made to four legs, right? If you ever saw the pig. But I made him do it. And I started wheeling him through the mud and, and up toward the barn. And this pig was pathetic. He was pathetic. He, he was squealing as only a pig can do. He was grunting. He was pleading with me. You should have seen he was pleading with me. Please put my legs down. You know, let me walk. And, 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 and he, was, he kept scuffing his nose because he couldn't keep up with I was going fast. Kept scuffing his nose. He was a mess. He looked like he was in a boxing match, right? And I was, I was so mad. And I kept saying, you know, come on, pig. And, and I finally get him all the way up to where he got away from. It was, uh, I actually brought him up between the house and the barn. There's big lilac bushes. I forget, they're all shady and I was hot. So I wheeled him up to that shade and I threw him down and, 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 and he, he, I let go and he just like fell flat. And I'll never forget, he was just gasping for breath. It's only a pig can do. Gasping for breath, gasping for breath. I'm like, I think he's gonna have a heart attack. I think I just killed this pig. And I didn't care. I said, I said, pig, we're going to have bacon for dinner. And I, was, I didn't care. I was so mad at this pig. But he recovered. Surprisingly, he recovered. He finally gets up, but he was a different pig now. He was a humble pig. <laughs> Just like Wilbur, he was a humble pig. And I said, follow me, pig. And he did. I walked to his pen, and he walked right behind me, just like a little lamb. He was a humble pig. He learned a very important lesson. A lot of us can relate to that pig, can't we? Some of us have scuffed noses even this morning, right? We have belly flopped in the mud. But are we ready to follow Jesus? Are we ready to follow him now? Every time we flop, he's trying to teach us something. Are we ready to follow him and, and to really do what he wants us to do? A, a, a hymn that came to me as I was, this morning was, Have thine own way, Lord. Some of you know this one. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Are we really ready, after our belly flops, whatever we're, whatever we're stuck in, are we ready to really follow Jesus? Are we ready to give our life to Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, but you're stuck. You're stuck. You're miserable. You know what I'm talking about. It's empty. It's no fun being stuck in that mud on our belly. But, but God lets us do that to, to bring us to Jesus. And to put our faith in Jesus and give our life to him. Maybe you've been fighting that and today you're finally ready. Say, God, I don't want to fight anymore. How is God breaking us? How is he keeping us humble? How is he keeping us soft spiritually? Keeping us dependent on him? How are we responding to that? Look at Paul's response. I read you what about the thorn in the flesh. But look at his response. If you have not memorized this one, memorize it, meditate on it, let it become part of your heart. Listen to this, verse 9. But he said to me, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and 
uh, in hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Ooh, we could take about a month on that one, right? Do we realize it's all God's grace? Are we living by that grace? Are we following Jesus? If we are doing that, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. Have you ever been saved by God's grace? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're going to close with this one as we go into prayer. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are not only have to live by grace, but we're saved by grace. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing we can do to earn heaven. There's nothing we can do to, to heal the fracture, the broken relationship we have with God through sin that has haunted the human race. There's nothing we can do. Only Jesus can make a way. It's all of him. It's his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead that proved he was the son of God. It's by putting our faith in God's grace. For it's by grace you are saved through faith. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning? Maybe you're here today with a scuffed nose. Maybe it's a broken nose. Maybe we're here today and we're stuck. Nobody knows it, but we are stuck in the mud. We have belly flopped. But the Holy Spirit is is speaking to us right now, calling to you to grab a hold of that inner tube again. To defend God's mercy and grace. To learn whatever God is trying to teach us through this discipline process. That might be nothing bad we've done. Maybe we've, there's nothing bad, but he's just trying to grow us to a new level spiritually. Or maybe there's some way he's trying to redirect our life. To get us unstuck as we follow Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You are stuck spiritually, miserable. But you're ready today to follow Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus. For for it is by grace you are saved through faith. Jesus died on a cross in our place to pay for our sin. In the moment we put our faith in him and give our life to him, We have a purpose. We have fulfillment. We have a joy that we never thought possible. We can worship God in in an ultimate high, something that no pill or, or drink or experience can come anywhere near. Are you ready to pray the prayer of faith and to give your life to Jesus? You can do that right now. Right where you're sitting. The simple prayer of faith that God, I want to follow Jesus.
I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I want to get out of the mud, the sin, the garbage. I want to walk away from that old life and live for you. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. You are now connected with God as your heavenly Father. He has washed that mud off of you. And you're going to go to a whole new place in your life that you never thought possible because the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit is in you. And if you've prayed that prayer, faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you're here with a family member or a friend. Tell me, tell somebody, let somebody know so that we can encourage you and be excited for you. Father, we pray that I pray that every one of us would move forward spiritually. We would learn our lessons and stay connected with you and in close fellowship with you and follow you. And Lord, that, we, that your purpose for each of our lives would be fulfilled as we surrender to you. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still.